The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Thank you for joining us today here on The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff. And those of you who have been listening for a while know that we are here on the Career Confidant to help give you the resources and tools that you need to take control of your own career. Today we are just so blessed to be welcoming Dick Bowles, the father of modern career development and author of best-selling career book of all time, What Color Is Your Parachute? And Dick, you just thank you so much for joining us here today. Happy to be here, Marie. Thank you. Well, I just... You know, we had started this conversation a while ago wanting to get you in to talk about your new books, The Guide to Rethinking Resumes and The Guide to Rethinking Interviews. So I just have been looking through these and they're a wealth of good information. Thank you. So the book on resumes, you start by talking about kind of this elimination game and HR people... You know, the systems, the technology, and or the people going through to pick out a, a good resume, but really they're doing a lot of elimination. And I was struck by, you said, the two things that employers are looking for being competence and compassion. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that, especially the compassion part of that. Well, uh Imagine somebody hiring a uh, tech person for their particular organization, and they uh, find somebody that's been doing tech for about five years, but they just can't ever get along with people, and they are always either leaving out of their own discomfort or they are being fired. Uh, that's the part that we often call soft skills or people skills. And somebody can be very technically proficient in the work that they're being hired to do, but if they can't get along with people, then that is just a, a no a vote for them on a part of most employers. So what they do, what employers do, is they Google the person. They, the typical resume, as people prepare it or have pre- it prepared for them, uh, has a lot about what their technical experiences or their professional experience, but it doesn't tell you much about what kind of a person they are. So uh, about 82% and some say as high as 91% of all employers now Google a particular candidate before they will actually uh, step in and have an interview with them and decide whether or not to hire them. Now, that, of course, is a statistic 
more likely to be invoked in the large corporations, not in a mom-and-pop bakery or something like that, but it still is overwhelmingly in favor of their importing the Internet now into their search for an employee. So as much as we are, say we're a job hunter, as much as we're researching them, they're also now researching us thanks to the Internet. Yeah, and that technical skill isn't necessarily differentiating, but the ability to work with the customer, work within the team, all of those can help make you make you different, right? Make you stand out. Absolutely. Some and so, some people there are statistics that I mean every study is different, and for example, one study said that when they post a vacancy, typically an employer will see received 250 applications. Another study said 118. So you never can really believe every study you read, but it certainly is uh, important to take what they find out seriously. Yeah. Well, and that that brings, you were already started with this point in terms of Google being your new resume. Yeah. Tell us, tell me a little bit more about well, that. Well, two things happen. One is about 79% of the uh, employers say they have indeed rejected somebody because of what they found on about them on Google. But uh, equally surprised, and I was really surprised by this, uh, 81% say they found something about the uh, person on Google that made them decide to hire them. So it cuts both ways. It all depends on whether you look like an idiot on the, on Google when they Google you on the Internet or whether you come across as somebody that looks really admirable. Yeah, and one of the statements that you made that struck me in that part of it was that you know we should look at our online profiles and not be okay with something that's hanging out there half finished, right? If you've got a profile out yeah, there, yeah. finish it. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities uh, on many websites for you to have a profile, and if you look at that and see that you've not filled that profile out, the employer will see that too, and they'll wonder about you. Yeah, well, and that's true even if we're still working to have those things out there is just not good for our brand. So I liked that little bit of advice. Yeah. What's interesting to me, Marie, is I'm an empiricist by nature and by temperament and by DNA. I was a student of chemical engineering at MIT, and then I got my degree in physics from Harvard. And so I'm always looking at uh, facts. I'm always trying to say, well, what is it we know? And I pursue the facts Rigorously, I have a number of research sites, and I also have a number of people that contact me with research things. And the stuff they uncover often is very significant. And one example I can give you that comes right to the top of my mind is if you ask somebody how long they think an employer takes to look at a resume, they will typically say, well, I guess they take a minute, a minute and a half, maybe two minutes to look at it. Turned out they did a study with eye movement to see what the employer did. Turned out to be eight seconds. And one study said six seconds which tells you that you're going to have to put the stuff that's important up near the top of your resume because their eye may not get all the way down to the bottom before they either decide to put you in a pile to interview or decide to reject you. Yeah. And and discovering stuff like that has become much more uh, available now that we have the Internet so much at our disposal. Uh, years ago, 
uh, when we were writing resumes for people or helping them to write them for themselves, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, idea of what happened to them after the resume left us. Now they've done study after study, and they've found out a lot of stuff that we really do need to know. And another statistic that came to my mind comes to my mind is they found out from a study that if a, a employer contacts two, excuse me, <laughs> if a job hunter contacts two employers a week, their job search typically lasts a year. If they contact ten employers a week, six months, and if they contact twenty employers a week. They usually average 90 days or less for the length of their job hunt. Now, we didn't know stuff like that years ago. We didn't know there was a correlation. We might have sensed it, but we couldn't put facts underneath it and ground it. So it's been a godsend to find out that here is this instrument, which we all have to use at some point in our job hunt, and uh, there's things we can do to improve it based on what the research tells us about how that resume gets treated. Yeah, I say those numbers again. It's a year if they do one a, a week. Uh, no, two a week. Two a week. They contact two employers a week. And it's uh, 10 employers a week. They Typically, their job hunt lasts six months and 20, 90 days. Wow. Okay, okay. And, of course, some of that's going to depend on the position and how specialized they are if they can find that many employers, which would help them calculate how long it might take if they can say, you know, there's this many employers in my target audience, that would help you figure out how long you're going to take. Yeah, another thing I found fascinating was I did some research and I found out that the typical number of people that employers want to interview turns out to be between five and six the exact number is 5.4 on average, and I don't know where they find that 0.4 person, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the results of the study. So if they get 118 or 250 applications, their first instinct is, how can I cut this number of applications down so I don't have to interview every one of them? And obviously, the resume plays a part in that. We see it as an instrument to sell ourselves or at least get the attention of the employer to the degree they'll say, come on in. And they see the resume, uh, generally speaking, as a way of winnowing down the pile to a manageable number that's left that they have to then go and interview. So they're looking at our resume to see what they can find that will eliminate us. And that, again, has a... Uh, obvious implication for how we can make our resume better. We need to go over with a fine-tooth comb and say, my one goal for this resume is to get invited in for an interview. Is there anything I see here that would cause them to not ask me to come in and take that out of your resume? All of this research has practical implications for how you design your resume to be effective in achieving what you want it to achieve. Yeah, and one of the pieces in your research that I liked was this survey done by BYU with 60% of Fortune 500 companies not using applicant tracking systems. And I think that yeah, that's... Isn't that interesting? You assume from the gossip that every single one of them does, but of course they don't. And uh, I can see that that's true of smaller employers, but the surprise was that this is also true of some of the larger employers. Yeah, 60% is more than I would have imagined or assumed, so it's nice, again, to have the data to back that up. 
Yep. Well, it's just interesting as we look at that and we think about getting eliminated and, you know, if we're using the, if a human is looking at it, what are they looking for that that's not going to get us eliminated? And as you've talked about, it's, it's the skills and the competencies. And I really like how you use key words as two separate words instead of one word, kind of taking the mystery out of what this keyword game. Yeah. Uh, because we assume keywords is one word, no space, keywords, and then we assume there must be some magical ones we can use, whereas in fact, it's better spelled as two separate words, key words, and what that means is what words are key to your being called in to be interviewed for this job, and that will vary, of course, from job to job and even from field to field. Yeah, but it's to not get caught up in that there's some mystical, magical, golden word that's going to get my resume through the system, which I yeah. hear a lot. People say that to me. You know, what are the, the key words that need to be in there? And it's like, well, they should be in there if, if, you're, if you're applying for the right jobs. They should be in there without too much effort, right? Yeah, and there's a lot of words that people have overused. There's nothing wrong with the words. They've just been used so often and they did some surveys of uh, employers, and they found out in, in several surveys that they don't like such words as able or uh, analytical or attempted or uh, some words that you and I would think, oh, if I put that word in my resume, it's going to really enchant the employer, and they're really going to be excited to interview me. And actually, there's nothing wrong with the word except we have to stay up to date, and then 2015, some of these words, what I think of as tired, they've just been overused so much that they've lost their meaning. Every Everyone puts them on their resume, and uh, in one form or another, some of these uh, words that used to be so effective, and now they've just gotten worn out, and they're not serving us well if we try to put them into our resume now. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break here, and we'll be right back. We're going to keep talking to Dick Bowles about the Guide to Rethinking Resumes. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get your thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on The Digital World. Learn how to be the savvy leader who looks ahead to the next wave of business innovation. 
Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to the Career Confidant. And today we are talking to Dick Bowles, author of what color is your parachute but he's got some new great books out talking about rethinking resumes and rethinking interviews and we've been going through some of the rethinking resumes material thinking about the hiring process and the elimination game and as dick said just really how can you make sure your resume is avoiding getting you eliminated because that's its number one purpose, yes, to get you an interview, but for the HR people, it's their elimination tool. So I wanted to move in, Dick, to talking about the difference here you put in empty claims or concrete evidence. And so now we're talking about some of the content in your resume, but tell us about empty claims or concrete evidence. Well, lots of people can say, I did this or I did that, but what employers are most interested in is some uh, figures, uh, actual statistics. And one simple way of doing that is to say, well, how much money did I save my previous places where I worked? How much money, uh, well, let's take a house painter. Uh, if a typical house painter can uh, paint a house and not have to come back for uh, five years, and then this person who is applying for a job as a house painter, his jobs last 10 years. He can say, I, I, my jobs last uh, te- two times as long as a typical house painter. So you can use statistics where you can compare yourself to other people doing the same kind of work and come up with some figure that says that you're more effective and you're more useful in terms of what you do. There's certain kind of criteria that we use when we advise people about uh, talking about their evidence. We say, did you save the organization money and thus increase their profit? Or did you save the organization time and thus increase their profit? Or did you increase the organization's total sales and thus increase their profit? And then in each case, the uh, underlying uh, message is by what percentage or by what amount or under what conditions or how did you do it. And when you get concrete like that to talk to the chief uh, skills or tasks that the employer is likely to be looking for, and you can quantify it and actually quote statistics, it makes the uh, resume come up to a whole different level in the eyes of the employer. Yeah, and I you know, I think that that takes digging for people, right? They've really got to dig in and see how did what they did matter. <laughs> it really comes down to the hard task of thinking. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, which sometimes it's difficult to do about our, ourselves, yeah, right? It's yeah, hard sure to dig is. in. And one of the other... A, often a friend can help you. Yeah. A friend who knows your work really, really well. You can say to them, um, uh, Amanda, what distinguishes the way I do a job from the way other people who do the same kind of work uh, do their job? And oftentimes your friend will immediately put their finger on some statistic or something that can be turned into a statistic that wouldn't even have occurred to you. Uh, I know uh, a woman who can sell merchandise in 10 minutes that takes another merchandiser at least a half an hour. So she can say, I cut the sewing time uh, by two-thirds over a typical merchandiser or salesperson. And often the friend will say, I've watched you in action. I see you only take 10 minutes. How long does a typical merchandiser take to sell that item and uh, if it's a big television set say in a uh, technology store uh, they'll probably have a pretty good idea or you can even go and ask somebody how long does it take for you to sell one of these television sets because I know how long it took me and I want to find out what the comparison is so you can either turn to a friend or you can turn to somebody doing that job and interview them it's easy sometimes people in some of these big box stores, they, the, some of the people working there are so bored out of their mind that when somebody comes along and asks them a really interesting question, they practically leap upon them in joy. Yeah. Well, and that you gave a lot of great questions in, in the book. Just to think through, you know, depending on your position, what is the, and I'll always tell people, you know, what's the goal of your position? What's, how do you add value? What wouldn't happen if you were there? And you yeah. can talk through those scenarios with someone else. really helps to tell the whole story out loud. It's strange, but one of the uh, easiest ways to do this, and oftentimes... Uh, if, you have, if you've been lazy or you just didn't know you were supposed to, you can actually do it in the interview and say, if you hired somebody that was really turned out to be a terrible employee, how would you know that? And what criteria do you use to evaluate that? And sometimes employers will say, boy, I've never thought about that. And they will tell you when they do reflect. So it's, sometimes this information is so easy to get. There was a book called Ask, A-S-K, published some years ago. It's now out of print, but you can find them on uh, book sites like uh, Libris on the Internet for about two cents. And one of the things that she established in this book is half of what goes wrong in our life occurs because we don't ask for what it is we really want. So if you want information, you should ask either friends or experts or even sometimes the employer themselves and if you want the job at the end of an interview you have to ask for you have to say given all that we've discussed could I be given this job and I found out over the years I've been doing this for over 40 years now advising people in this area and one of the things I discovered was they were astonished at how often just saying I want to ask for the job at the end of the interview turned out to be the difference between getting the job and not getting it. So uh, generally speaking, we as job hunters don't ask often enough for the kinds of things we want by way of information or by way of decisions. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, that takes practice, I think, and planning to know what you're going to ask or how you're going to do that at the end of the interview. Or yeah. maybe it's a, you know, a statement. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. But if you haven't planned for it, it'll probably catch you off guard. Yeah. Hence my book. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit here about cover letters. Sure. Um, it looks like you found some new data that shows an alarmingly small amount of people read it. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, it turned out to be terrible uh, how, how few employers actually read the cover letter. Uh, we always thought that was one of the first thing they would ever look at. It turned out only 17% of employers ever bothered to read a cover letter. That was a survey done recently um, in 2013. And it's backed up by research from other places. They have surveyed hundreds of manager, HR people and recruiters and interviewers, and they have found that less than 10% of HR departments can even scan cover letters. So if they have a machine, it may scan the resume, but it can't scan the cover letter. I find that way beyond mysterious. Yeah, well, but I've heard, and I don't, I don't know if you found something similar. This was from old research by Office Team that showed, although that small amount read it, that still eighty percent or something thought it was important. Yeah, that's the anomaly. Uh, many times, employers like a cover letter when they don't like a resume. Eighty-two percent of resumes have something questionable in them. I talk to people whose professional job is to be hired by companies to help them with uh, surveying resumes and so forth, and they said, we are the experts that check on the facts in the resume, and 82% of them are suspicious, uh, and we have to go research uh, 82% of all the resumes that come into our comp- this particular company that's our client. and. Uh, I looked at this guy, I was sitting next to him at lunch, and I said, are you kidding me? He says, no, that's how often the lies are. And uh, so many employers just don't trust a resume as much as, say, they would have 30 years ago or 20 years ago. And the consequence is a cover letter can often be uh, more succinct and comes across to an employer as more trustworthy. So even though a lot of employers don't read it, the ones that do put apparently a great deal of uh, importance and emphasis on the cover letter actually being more useful to them than is the uh, resume itself. Well, and that's the tricky part of the job seeker, right, is because we don't know how many, we don't know who those 17% are. And so I don't know if you give this advice. I my def, default is to send one because you never know if you're applying to one of those seventeen percent or not. That's right. You Unless have to work tell hard you. on your cover letter. And some people are not good at summarizing. Other people are whizzes at it. So obviously they have to hire someone like you or somebody that does uh, professional resumes for people that don't know how to do one. Uh, they have to turn to them for help and how to be succinct. Yeah, and I enjoyed that in your book, the section on how to hire a resume writer and some of the resources for figuring out if someone's going to be a good fit. It's good information for people that might be considering that as an option. 
Well, I didn't cover the whole waterfront with the book. It's only 100 pages. Um, they can get it from Amazon or any place that sells books. I've even seen it in Barnes & Noble stores. Uh, what I'm saying is brick-and-mortar stores, not just online. But I wrote it because I was just frustrated. My major book, which incidentally 10 million people have bought, and I revise it every year, I only have one chapter to a lot to resumes. So I decided I would try to find a forum whereby I could expand upon that and say more, and that's why I produced this little book called... Uh, uh, how to rethink resumes. Yeah, well, it's very helpful. Dick, is there a way that people can get in touch with you if they want to yeah, connect sure. with you? I, I'll tell you what. I'm preparing a sheet which will be ready by the end of the week because I'm also videotaping a new course uh, for one of the online course uh, websites, and I'm preoccupied with that for the major part of this week. But by the end of the week, I will produce this sheet that summarizes many of the statistics that we've talked about today and what the implications are for how they do their resume. And whether you're a resume writer or whether you're a job hunter or a career changer, you can write to me with two words. I won't, I won't respond with anything but this handout. And, and the two words should be resumes, please. Okay. <laughs> and it's not actually resumes. It's a handout summarizing what we've talked about today. The email address is rather simple. I adopted this in the 40th year of Parachute. It's now been revised every year for 45 years, but uh, the email address was uh, five years ago, so it's all lowercase and no spaces, D-I-C-K, B as in boy, O-L-L-E-S as in Sam, four zero at gmail.com. So it's dickbowls40 at gmail.com. Perfect, Dick. Well, thank you so much um, for sharing. Send me that thing, and all they have to do is put two words, uh, resumes, please, and I will know what that is, and I will send them the handout by the end of the week. Perfect. Well, that is so generous of you. Thank you so much, and um, thank you for taking your time to come on and talk to us here at the Career Confidant. Oh, I was delighted, Marie. Oh, thank you, Dick. Have a great evening. We'll be right back for the rest of you, and we're going to pick out some more great gems and continue talking about rethinking your resumes here on The Career Confidant. We'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we just said goodbye to the... Dick Bowles, father of career management, just so fun to talk to someone who's been doing this for 40 years, been writing What Color Is Your Parachute for close to that amount of time, and still taking the time and energy and uh, and having the vision to do the research and see what the current trends are today. And so much fun to hear what he's found and what his researchers have found and how that has implications for your job search and for specifically your resume, although that may look a little bit different than it traditionally has. So just a few pieces of data that I want to repeat because I think they're important and and we talked about a lot of things. So 60% of Fortune 500 companies, those that you would expect to have as much money at their disposable Disposal for such things, 60% of Fortune 500 companies do not use electronically scanned resume systems. So, yes, being making sure that your resume works on applicant tracking systems is a part of the search, but don't get over carried away with it, right? Because it's, it's a percentage of employers that are, are using that. It's not everyone. It's not all the time. It's just a piece of that search. And we know that your resume is going to be looked at by a human at some point, whether that's on their mobile phone, on their tablet, or printed. And so we've got to walk this line of having something that looks good on all of those mediums, channels, technologies, whatever you want to call it. And that's part of our challenge, right? That's part of that's part of the strategic thinking we have to be doing as we put together your resume is that yes it might go through an applicant tracking system but then somebody's going to look at it and how that is viewed is just as important if not even more and as dick said employers on average are trying to get down to 5.4 people that they're going to interview out of what is typically tens if not hundreds of applications That's what they're using the resume for. So it's got to get through their systems. Yes, it also has to pass the test of elimination by telling them how you're competent and, as as Dick called it, compassionate, soft skills, how will you get along with others. For you technical folks, that's 
really something to think about in your resumes. How can you demonstrate those skills without just saying, great with people, you know, give me some facts, some things that you've done that will prove that, not just the empty claims. So some other numbers to think about. 91% of employers say that they have Googled a candidate. 91%. That's big. So what shows up when you Google yourself? We talked about that a little bit last week in the branding conversation. But it is one of those things that they're going to be doing. And not only are they doing that, not only are they Googling you, there's also a statistic in here that says 68% of employers say that they've interviewed someone because of what they found. So if they find something positive, again, if they can see beyond the resume, that's that's all in your benefit. Are, are there things out there that show who you are as a person? Are, there, are they findable, right? If I Google you, will I find something that helps me decide? Now, of course, 70% have found something that caused them to reject an applicant. So they are making decisions, positive and negative, based on these Google results. Now, last week, we did talk a little bit about LinkedIn. If you missed that, you might want to go back and listen to it because Dick also found that 19% of employers, or sorry, employers spend 19% of their time on LinkedIn. So employers are spending a large chunk, almost a quarter of their time investigating you looking at LinkedIn. So go back to next last week, look, listen Think about what your LinkedIn profile could be doing for you that maybe it is not. So when we're thinking about a resume today, it is more than this paper or Word document, even if you're using an app. It's more than that, right? Your resume is probably, as in marketing, up to nine different sources that an employer will look to decide what they think about you. And that's some marketing research that was done that shows people look at nine different sources, including referrals, recommendation network, and all of the social medias that are available, that people are looking at nine different sources before they make a purchase. Well, you as a employee, as a job seeker, not much different. So there's a large, a large opportunity for you to show them lots of different things about yourself because we know that they're going to go to a few sources before they decide. So that's, you know, Dick kind of called it your Google resume is what comes up when when I search for you and how does that help me make a decision, yay or nay, on whether or not to hire you. So Thinking about those statistics, right, that we know employers are getting a lot of resumes, we know that they may or may not be using a, an electronic applicant tracking system, but that they are looking to eliminate you. And, and that's a graphic that Dick has in here. It actually comes from a 
a Wall Street Journal article, Wall Street Journal article in January of 2012 that goes through the elimination game, how robots find humans. And actually just recently tweeted that article, how robots find humans. And it's a very interesting graphic that shows exactly what we've been talking about, that how many people notice a position, about a thousand, how many people start to apply about 200, about 100 will complete the application process, 25 are reviewed by the hiring manager. So I think Dick quoted a figure in the 80s, but this graphic would be close to that. 75% of people getting eliminated before they even get looked at by the hiring manager, and that is not necessarily because of keywords or even because of resume format, right? It could be that they've put in their search criteria that they won't interview anybody from HP. Is that unfair? Yes. A company has the right to do that, right? So there might be a lot of things that are going into what's happening here, that some you might have control over, making sure your resume is the right format, Word document, making sure that it includes the right key space words. These are not mythical things, right? They are normal, common sense terms that would be in your resume if you've done the type of job before or had the education that you need to do the job that you're applying for, right? It's And so 75% are getting kicked out most of the time because they don't follow directions, because they don't answer every question, because they don't send the right kind of file, because, again, maybe the resume is the wrong format. There's a lot of different reasons, but it's realizing that if you can simply pass through the system, follow directions, you'll have a one in five chance of getting an interview, right? If 25 people on average get to the hiring manager and five people, (laughs) 5.4 on average get a interview, you have a one in five chance if you can just make it through the process. Common sense keywords, keeping that Word document somewhat clean and making sure that you have followed all of their directions. Be as good as possible to get you into that 25%, 25% of people who submit an application that get viewed by the hiring manager. So as he said, four to six are selected for the interview, and usually one to three go through a second interview kind of process. So we're thinking about this idea that if you're going to write a resume and you know this session we were talking about resumes but really it's understanding the hiring process so that you can plan accordingly when you're when you're doing everything when you're applying when you're writing your resume do it in context of what's actually going on here in most companies Now, part of that, of course, is getting your resumes seen by the hiring manager, which can happen in different ways. And, you know, Dick talks about the green carpet, I think, or, you know, I might call it the red carpet. How can you get your resume hand-carried? Well, that's where the networking piece comes in. 
and and having the network built within an organization before such opportunity would come up versus always trying to do it after because we all know that the the walls go up when a job is posted but if we already have that network built then we have some opportunity to get our resume sent to the hiring manager directly right on their doorstep versus out in the the wonderful world of the internet. So we're going to go on a short break here, come back and kind of wrap up from our thinking here and our conversation with Dick Bowles around his guide to rethinking resumes. We'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking to... Dick Bowles, author of What Color Is Your Parachute? And he shared some great information just to remind you that if you're listening and you're interested, you can email him at Dick Bowles, which is B O L L E S 4040, Dick Bowles 40 at gmail.com, and he will send you an overview of the data that we've been talking about today. So you email him with the subject line, resumes please, resumes please, and he will email you that overview. So that's just so generous of of him. And so in character with how he is, just an amazing man. So we're thinking about our resume and we're 
going through and realizing how the hiring process works and that keywords are not these mythical things, right? They're common sense words that you would have in your resume. And, you know, one of the things that Dick has in his book that I'll just share with you is this idea of hiring a professional resume writer. And uh, he goes through in the book, you know, thinking about what you want out of a resume writer. And he points to an article that I will point you to that's on the home, well, not the home page, but on one of my organizations that's near and dear to my heart, which is the NRWA, the National Resume Writing Association. And they've got a, an article on their website, Why Hire professional resume writer why hire a professional resume writer they also have some resources there on how to choose a resume writer what questions to ask so that you know if that person is a good fit for you before you start working for that working working with them and they start working for you so interesting little tidbit there the nrwa.com why hire a professional resume writer and then of course They've got some resources on how to select one, how to go through that conversation. They also actually have a list of certified writers right there on their list, on their website. So thinking about resumes, let's close here by thinking a little bit about cover letters. As Dick said, 17% of employers read them. 17%, which is kind of disappointing, given that 80% of them think it's important. So if you don't send one, it's going to deduct from you and may even just send you straight to the recycle, even if they don't read it. But of course, we never know when we're going to hit one of these 17% that do read it. So the point of a cover letter, to me, is similar to the point of a greeting card. So if you get a birthday card in the mail and it's blank, probably doesn't mean much to you. If someone signed their name, love always mom, it's better, but still doesn't feel very personal, right? Those cards that you enjoy, that you cherish, that you love to read, have that person's personalized message right? It, it tells you what they've been doing, or it says how much they miss you, or it doesn't have to be long and flowery necessarily, but it connects you to them. And what I see a lot with people is they're sending in cover letters that fit one of the t- earlier two descriptions. It's either a template letter that's very obvious, might as well have sent the blank card, right? Or maybe they change a few things, but it's still pretty templated. Thank you for signing your name on the greeting card. The best kind of cover letters, and the ones that it makes sense to take your time to write, are the ones that are a personalized greeting card. They say in the first paragraph why you want to work there. And I'm just going to read to you from Dick's book since I have it here. So, Dear Mrs. Westfield, I've been reading about your organization and it has intrigued me greatly. I like that you are trying to help 
returning veterans, and I'm impressed with your track record in placing over 65% of the vets who turn to you for help. That's really remarkable. Great entry paragraph. What's missing? What's missing is I found your position on Indeed.com where nobody, nobody cares where you found the job anymore. They've got Google Analytics or whatever it is on the back end of their website tracking where those people came from, right? It's all about making sure that you are connecting you to them. Now, of course, you want to watch your pronoun use in doing that. But you also want it to be genuine, and you want it to be conversational, and you don't want it to sound like you're kissing their rear end, right? That's, that's not what this is about. So you have to read it. have to get someone else to read it. How can you connect yourself to them, show that you know something about the organization without overdoing it and being authentic? That's, that's the great start to a cover letter. Right? It's that ability to show that you know something about the organization. It's that ability to connect you to them in some way. Second paragraph. I see that you're planning on launching, launching a new national campaign next year with many materials being written for those in every community who are anxious to help returning vets. If you are hiring for this task, I would love to be considered. So that obviously says this person is applying to a job that doesn't exist yet. Awesome opportunity. You could use a similar paragraph if you are applying to a posted position. So they say they had a posted position that says it's a marketing campaign, but it doesn't give you that many details. So you might have to do a little research and say, I see that it looks like this is what you're planning to do. Maybe there's some press releases out there. Do something to show that you know where you're going, what the value is that they need, and doing that kind of research to set yourself apart in this cover letter. So as we're thinking about this, and we've been talking a little bit today about all of these data and your online resume and your regular resume and your cover letter, I know that it starts to get a little bit overwhelming and thinking about all of the things that you need to do to find a job. And for those of you that are working, it can be troublesome because you have to find time to do those things. For those of you who are unemployed, it can be troublesome because you've got to get something to get money coming in. And so as you're thinking about your search, you know, the numbers that Dick shared in terms of how many and how many employers you need to connect with. That if you connect with two employers a week, you'll get a job in a year. If you connect with three employers a week, it'll be, you know, six months. Or it was ten a week, could be six months. So that helps you plan. How much time do you have? How many employers are in your target audience, your target area? How can you expand that so that you can move your job search faster? Or are you willing to give up some speed so that you can find a good fit. There's always these trade-offs. But I think the real point here for us to realize is that those days when someone came searching for you to move you up their ladder are gone for most of us. And now, no matter where we work, no matter what we do, there will always be this importance of us taking control and managing our own career. 
which of course is why we're here every week on The Career Confidant. Next week, we're going to take a little bit different approach, and we're going to talk a little bit about becoming a franchisee, and whether you're unemployed or employed, whether becoming a franchisee might be right for you. So we'll see you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 